Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. Who's getting excited? Oh, little woohoo! Phil in the back is excited. Christmas is on his way. Well, I am excited to be here with you this morning. Pastor Kelvin asked me to preach here today, and I remember I went back and I checked one year ago under Pastor uh, Rick. Rick asked me to pre- preach this exact same week, and I looked up the sermon, and it's the exact same title that I'm using. So I, last year, it's the sec- same verse. So last year, the sermon was called The King Has Come, and this year, and I, and I focused on uh, King Jesus, and this year we're going to look at the same title, but now we're going to take a focus on uh, the Magi this week. So we're going to be opening up our Bibles. I'm going to pray. We're going to be in Matthew 2, and we're going to dive in. So let's go. God, you're so good. We just thank you for this opportunity already that we have been able to come under the minister of your Holy Spirit and your word to be able to ascribe worship onto you. We thank you for the little kids here today. We bless them, we pray, and ask that you would be with them tonight as they, uh, they come and bring honor and glory to you uh, as they've been all season just working together under Bree uh, to be able to present uh, tonight. So we pray for them uh, and we pray for those uh, parents and friends who will come and, and as they share the gospel. Uh, God, we pray that you would open up hearts and minds. And in that vein, God, we pray that you would open our hearts and minds as we study your word this morning. We know that it, your word is true it is strong, it is powerful, and it can help us. And we pray that you would prepare us today so that we would learn and understand that there are lessons uh, from foreign, we're gonna see this morning, from foreign people that can teach us stuff. So God, lessons from the Magi for us here today. I know there's something for each of us to take away. So God bless this time. In your precious name we pray, amen. So we're gonna be in Matthew 2. We're gonna open up, look at those 12 verses together. So in the NIV, I'm going to read from the NIV, but reference a little bit from the ESV a little bit later. Um, the, the title in, in, in the NIV is The Visit of the Magi, so 2-1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is, who is to be born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. And King Herod heard of this, he was distressed and all of Jerusalem with him. When they had called together all the people and chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them this question, where is the Christ? He asked them the question, where is the Christ to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And this is the prophecy of Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for this child. And as soon as you see him or find him, report to me so that I may go and worship him. After they heard the the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh. And having been warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is the word of God. May I add a blessing to it as we study it this morning. So I'm going to do something I, I usually don't do. I love to come and preach, but I don't usually preach and teach But today I'm going to preach and teach. So we're going to look at God's word and we're going to extract uh, the goodness of what's there and then I'm going to preach it to you. So when I came to the the scriptures this week, uh, I opened up and I I thought, okay, I I got the text from Pastor Calvin and I thought, okay, how are we going to to do this? Uh, Lots of Christians who've been around the church for a long time have heard the Christmas story. Um, But as I was digging deep this, this season, God just really opened up my eyes and heart to his word. Um, I learned some new things here, and I'm excited to share with you. Um, I, was, I was thinking about the parable of the, the pearl this morning. So if you know that, that's in Matthew 13. The parable of the pearl is a man finds a pearl in, in the gra- He finds a pearl, and he digs a hole. He hides the pearl, goes, and he sells everything, comes back, buys the plot of land because of the, the treasure he's found. And this morning, I found some treasure within the scriptures that really has changed my mind and heart on how I perceive God's word at Christmas time. And I thought I actually knew this. I've been in church for a long time, learned lots of Christmas sermons. I've sat under some of the best teachers in this, teach, in, in this place. And this, this morning really kind of rocked me. So I'm excited to share what God has, has for us this morning. 
And before we even jump in to learn, the sermon is called uh, uh, Lessons from the Magi. But before we even get there, I just want to ask a few questions of the text to kind of prep us so that as we jump into the lessons, we have the background. So a few questions I want to ask us this morning, three questions when I came to the scripture. Who, was, who were the Magi? What was their purpose? And what can we learn from these wise men? So let's jump in with the first question. Who are the Magi? Well, Scripture in verse 1 actually gives us a little bit of an understanding. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Well, the first thing I notice in here is this word behold. Behold means to come and see. And it's pretty much uh, an arrow pointing that after they've made the statement that Jesus was born, was born, there's this word behold, which means we got to take notice of this. Behold of this next part. And what is it? Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Well, wise men translated from the Greek is just magi. Magi just means wise men. Wise men means magi translating from the Greek. And what it actually denotes is a knowledgeable group of individuals. These guys were scholars. They were not kings, even though we sing a song, we three kings. They were not kings, but they were scholars. They were men who understood and studied the signs, uh, celestial signs. They would have been astronomers and astrologers. They were adept at studying the sky. These individuals likely held position of prestige and probably traveled as part of a large caravan. Sometimes we sit, when we sing the song, We Three Kings, we think that there was just three guys on a mission, maybe on a camel, and they were on a, on a mission to kind of see Jesus. But this is, this is much bigger than that. This is a big group of people that are traveling together, understanding a prophecy, and they're, they're, they are on a mission. Where did they come from? Well, the scriptures say that they come from the east, which means that from the east is indicating that it is a region that is beyond Israel, and most likely, based on scholars, it's probably Persia or Babylon. So Persia or Babylon, these guys are on this journey. So if you kind of do the map quest of that, it's, it's, not, it's not a short journey, right? It's hundreds of miles, even up to a thousand miles of journeying along on this mission. And what was the purpose? What, what were they on a mission to do? Well, it says in verse 2 that uh, they asked this question to King Herod. They asked, where is he, the one who has been born king of the Jews? Okay, so they're on a mission to find the king of the Jews. And it says, for we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. So I'm digging through the scriptures, I'm looking at this, and there's some significance here with these questions. Why are they asking these questions? Who are they asking them to? They're asking them to the king, but the king doesn't know the, the answers to the question. And one of the, the important things that is kind of highlighted in here is this star. So the Magi's purpose was to find and worship the newborn king, who's, who was signaled by this unique star. The significance of the star comes up again in verse 9 to 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, there's that word again, which El, it's Ido in, in, uh, in Greek, to be sure to see, so behold, the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. So the star served as a celestial guide for the Magi, leading them to the exact location of Jesus. Its supernatural movement indicated divine intervention in guiding these seekers to the king. So before we actually learn about the lessons, what do we know about these guys who are on a journey? Well, they're foreign and they're pagan and they're wise, and they're on an incredible journey, possibly in a big group, to seek and worship a baby who has been born as a king. This narrative found in the biblical account highlights, highlights the remarkable journey of these individuals who, despite their background, recognized the significance of this newborn king and traveled afar to pay homage. So this is what we know about them, okay? This is the background. So let's dive in and learn some lessons as we explore some lessons from the Magi. I got three lessons for us. The first lesson is seeking the king. And this is found in the first two verses as we look at this. I broke this section down into two subpoints: One, being aware of prophecy or being aware of God's word. And B is willing to seek out based on what they've learned. So let's look at the first part. See, the Magi were aware of prophecy. 
They were learned individuals who recognized the significance of this star. So my whole kind of Christian journey with church at Christmas time, I've always thought that the Magi or the wise men who were on a journey, they were following the prophecy of Micah 5.2. I've literally, my whole time, I always thought that they knew Micah 5.2, that in Bethlehem, this is where the king was coming, going to be born, and they, they were following a star because they studied the stars, but I always thought that that prophecy was what led them. But as I've been studying through the scriptures, it's not just that. There's more to this. There's a deeper level to this that we see. Actually, there is a oracle, an oracle is uh, an oracle of Balaam, actually, in Numbers 24. And in Numbers 24, there's this guy. His name's Balaam. And he is a seer or a magician. He's a, a guy for hire that does magic. And he, you could hire him and you could put a curse on somebody or you can bless them. And this is exactly what happens. When Numbers 24, we look, there is a king and the king's name is Balaam. He's the king of the Moab. And he sees that God's people are leaving Mount Sinai and they're leading in this huge pack and they're coming to the promised land. And Balak is a fright. He's frightened of these people. So what does Balak do? He goes and gets Balaam, the seer. And he wants Balaam to put a curse on the people. However, God intervenes and reveals to Balaam, the seer from the east. If you look in the scripture, it says that Balaam came from the eastern mountains and he was from the east. Most likely, he was from the place where these wise men were from. Now, I was thinking about this. What happens when we, we study God's word and we encounter God's grace? When God shows up and does a big thing in our life, what do we usually do? We testify. We tell somebody. Balaam most likely had, after we read his oracle, you're going to see, he had a transformation moment. Most likely, he went back and he told the people where he was from. And I always thought that the magi or the wise people or the wise guys were always following the Jewish history of Micah 5 too. But most likely, they probably had Babylonian or Persian history, which is probably from Balaam. And also Deacon Richard told me this morning... Also Daniel. Daniel was also back in Babylon. So that there was other things that contributed to this. But check out this oracle. This is what it says. Numbers 24, 15. It says, The prophecy of Balaam, son of Beor. The prophecy of one who sees clearly. The prophecy of one who hears the word of God. Who has knowledge from the Most High. Who sees a vision from the Almighty. So right there, we haven't even got into the actual prophecy. He is stating He's, he's making a case, and he's using all the words of Yahweh. Words of God, Most High, Almighty. And then he goes on, and he says, Who falls prostrate and whose eyes are open. So remember the context. He's there to curse the people of God, the house of Jacob, to curse them. God intervenes. He speaks to them. He makes this prophecy, this oracle. And this is what the oracle says. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So this is this oracle that was given to, to Balaam. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, when we go back to the scriptures, it says that they came and they asked a question. The question was, Magi comes from Jerusalem and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They don't know the exact location. They don't know Bethlehem. So they're probably not following the Jewish history of Micah 5 too. They're following some other indication. And they're following a star that is leading them. The Magi hailed from the east, probably from the same region as Balaam, and they were diligently seeking after a star, which was aligning with this prophecy. Also, in that oracle, we see a scepter. A scepter is what a king would hold. A scepter is a symbol of authority held by a king. So as we look at this, the wise men were well-versed in this prophecy and actively sought the sign that would guide them to worship King Jesus. Their inquiry, where's the one born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him, reflects their understanding of the unique significance of this king. Even though this king is a baby, 
or this, this is a baby they are looking for, they knew that he was going to be a powerful king. When we extract this and we think, okay, how do I apply this to my life? There's an insight here. These wise individuals were attentive to God's word. And they approached their journey with the knowledge that the king they sought was special, an infant deserving of worship. Now, this is a pretty, kind of, a pretty intense moment. When we think about a caravan of people, a caravan of wise people, this wasn't a quick journey. This wasn't, we're going to Buffalo for the weekend, guys. Let's jump in the car. This was probably, depending on when they started, as they studied, and we don't actually know the history of that, but they probably got together. They had to get everything together. They had to get all their food and all the things that they were preparing, and they were going on a journey, and most likely, they didn't know when the journey was going to end. They're following a star. This ain't a quick, hey, let's pull over for some gas and get some beef jerky on the way. This is, hey, we're going on this journey. We're relocating. This is a huge thing that we're seeing from these people. Contrast from the scripture, King Herod. Where's King Herod? Well, he's in Jerusalem, and he's in the temple. And these guys come into town, and they ask the question, where's the king? And they specifically say a a title. Where is the king that has been born king of the Jews? So in in the study uh, this week, I learned that King Herod was a tyrant. He was a mean guy. He wasn't a wise guy, he was a mean guy. He abused people, he hurt people, he, he was an enforcer. He, he wanted uh, to do the things that he wanted to do always, and he wanted people to listen to him. As we can see, first verses down below, he kills a bunch of babies, all the babies two and under. He is not a good guy. He actually had a name, he had a, a, a nickname. His nickname was King of the Jews. So these wise guys show up and they say, where's the king who is King of the Jews? I'm king. I'm king of the Jews. No, you're not. There's a baby born. So this is the contrast. He's in the place, and he asks them secretly to go and find. But he doesn't go himself. I was in Jerusalem this year with Rick. Rick and I are in the temple. Uh, There was this one day where we went in, and uh, it's divided, so ladies... The women worship in this one area, but the men at the wailing wall, we go, we can put on the little hat, go up, put the prayer on the wall. Um, I'm standing back talking to Pastor Rick, and Pastor Rick is explaining the history of this. We are at the temple. We are in Jerusalem, okay? Then Rick says, hey, man, I got something special for you that's coming up. I said, what's that, Pastor? Where are you taking me? He goes, we're going on a journey. He says, we're going to Bethlehem. I'm like stoked. I'm like, we're going on a journey. We're going on a road trip. I'm thinking like, this is... I don't actually know where Bethlehem is. I'm just marveled at the wall and all that is happening. We, you know where, how far that would be? It would be like from here to Whitby. It was not far. It was like, it was, it's six miles, literally six miles away. That's how far we went. But as we read the text, these wise guys, they're studying scripture. They're looking at the stars. They're going on a journey. They're going to find the king. And the king is born six miles away, and the king who was there, Herod, didn't even go and investigate himself. But look what the text says. It says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem was with him. And then he called together all the people, and here it is, two groups of people. He calls together the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Now, the Lord put this in here for a reason. Now, if you look at their job description, the chief priests, they represented Jewish worship. They were the guys who were to point everybody to worship. This is, if, if we were going to put this in the context of our church, this is Jordan, Pastor Jordan. Pastor Jordan came in here, the service started, and he led us before the throne. That's his job. Jordan, wherever you are, Good job today. You did that. You did your job. You pointed us to King Jesus. This is their job. They didn't do that. Also, we see the scribes. They represent Jewish law. They're the people that search the scriptures, the Jewish history, and their whole job was to look out and find when the Messiah would come. King Herod hears this news. He calls these people in, and they give them the prophecy. The prophecy is, yeah, he's going to be born six miles away. And none of them, nobody, goes and looks. They send the foreigners to go. There's so much to, be ta- so much to be gleaned from this section of Scripture. 
Just like us, we can fall into that category and we can know the scriptures and we can study them and, and not, not be active in what God is calling us to do. Oh, that's over there. And just miss out on the glory of what God's doing. Scholars propose that the Magi undertook an extensive journey, probably covering hundreds or even a thousand miles from east to west, just to witness and worship the newborn king. It's a, it's a quick stop, guys. It's we're in, we're out. They're going on this huge journey to see a baby, to get in there, to witness, and to worship. Surprisingly, I mean, you're six miles south of Bethlehem, both Herod and the religious authorities and chief priests and scribes failed to investigate the compelling claims surrounding the birth of, king, and that, birth of the king. And that's literally like our world. We have so many churches in our community and people fail to investigate the claims of Jesus Christ. But praise be to God that his message is powerful. He has given his people his message to go out and be light in a dark community. Amen? Over the last little bit, we have invited, last weekend we had over 5,000 people, 5,000 people in here to hear the gospel through music and, and preaching. Like God has called us to be his witnesses as we learned through this whole series that Pastor Calvin taught us that we are in spirit-empowered witnesses called out of darkness into marvelous light, given the gospel and given opportunity to go. But so many in our world fail to even investigate the claims of Jesus. Even Christians. Christians fail to investigate the word of God on a regular basis. There's a lesson to be learned here. It says when uh, Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was upset. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and younger in accordance with the time that they'd learned from the Magi. See, Herod doesn't, didn't respond to the word of God. He took things into his own hands. He decided to play God. He didn't walk, for, walk the two hours to check out for himself or even to have any of his staff go. He just made a decision. And his decision was destruction. And often when we, when we are left to our own thoughts and our own feelings, where they lead us is usually to destruction. We need to make sure as God's people, we, our minds are kept on the scriptures. What lesson do we learn from the Magi here? They were attentive to God's word and the signs of his presence. The Magis were wise individuals who considered the counsel of God's word seriously and took decisive actions. They didn't disregard the word of God. They didn't, they didn't lean solely on other people's testimonies. Instead, they studied, they believed, and they personally witnessed the truth. Similarly, we are called to be attentive to God's word and the signs of, our, of our, his presence in our lives. It is our responsibility to heed the, entire, the entirety of God's counsel in his word. We are encouraged to come each week and to learn and to listen and to investigate and personally encounter the truth of Jesus Christ. God has provided the church as a pathway for believers. They are instructed to assemble, to learn and to listen, to receive counsel, to be equipped and to grow and mature in godliness. That is our job. This is what we learn from the Magi that they were attentive to God's word. Not only that, part B of number one is that they were willing to seek. Since the Magi embarked on this physical journey to find the king, which means that they studied and they were moved to action. Okay? They were moved. It says that they relocated, they journeyed, they witnessed, they encountered. Could you imagine if all of us right now, that like there's about 500 people in this church right now, if we all got up and just walked down Roslyn, we were just going on a journey. People would stop and say, where are y'all going? We going on a journey. These guys got up and moved because they were moved by the word. They were willing to seek. The wise sought to observe and worship and give and learn and become part of something greater than themselves. Did you hear that last part? Become greater, become part of something greater than themselves. I remember when I heard 
the, the doctrine of grace being preached for the first time. That was the day I surrendered my life to King Jesus. And what the pastor t- was sharing that day, that his, undeserved, his, his grace, his undeserved favor was enough to cover my sins, was more than enough, and, and God went to the cross. And that pastor was teaching me that morning that I could become part of something that was greater than myself. God was inviting me on this mission. He was saying, come, I'm go- I've paid your debt, and I'm gonna make a way so that you can be part of something that is way bigger than you, because all you wanna concentrate on is you, and I got something that is way bigger than you, and you can be a part of it. And I don't know how you're feeling this morning as you walked in here, and maybe you feel like, oh, I'm not part of something great. If you know Jesus Christ, you are part of something great. You are part of something that he is calling you upon. He's calling you to get on this journey, to go and make disciples, to bring testimony, to be light in darkness. This is what he's saying. Let's go on this journey. Let's be willing to seek. Let's be willing to sit under the authority of God's word and see what happens to put it into play and see where God will take us. Do you know that when I, where I grew up in St. John, New Brunswick, I never left my street until I was 16 years old. That area, those four blocks. I realized after I got saved, I was able to go many places. I, sp- I went to Guatemala for eight or nine years in a row. I've been to different places around the world. But that all started when I, when I learned and understood that there is a bigger purpose here than what I think. It's not really what I think, it's what he thinks. And what he thinks has been leading me on these great adventures every day in my life. And he is calling anyone who will listen. The word of God says that he is slow to anger, want none to perish. So if you hear this word to here today and you believe, hey, I wanna be, I wanna be a part of something that's bigger, Maybe God is is using the word to call you to be a part of his kingdom. And the word of God says, don't harden your heart. Don't be at like this little moment where you come in and you hear something and you're all fired up and you walk out and like, I'll do that later. God doesn't work that way. God's word is powerful. It is sharp. It cuts through. So if you are here in the Holy Spirit, you need to respond here today. I love this verse, this section. The wise men's commitment to seeking him challenges us to examine our own willingness to seek God in our lives, even if it requires effort and sacrifice. And God forbid, I have to say it like this, please. God forbid us to take the example of the priests and scribes, a people in a position with a title that declares we study the word of God and we worship God in title, but not in practice. May that not be how we are described to the outside world at Calvary Baptist Church that we just assemble, but we don't practice what we preach. We see that they were lazy in what, we are, they're lazy to apply what they were claiming. Let that not be us. God wants those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Jesus speaks that to the woman at the well. You got eight words for this whole section. Wrap it up in eight words. Let us be vigilant in seeking the king. Lesson number two, worshiping the king. Let's go to the scriptures, verse nine. It says, after they heard the king, they went on their way. And then that star again, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. As we come to this next section, not only were they listening to God's word and they were willing to seek but they were overjoyed at the opportunity to worship God. Overjoyed, a joyful response. As you look at that word, I was challenged, I'm like, okay, what's that word in the Greek? And the word is chara. Overjoyed is, is translated chara back in the Greek, and it holds a sense, a profound sense of happiness, delight, and jubilation. So we don't know when the history of this started, when they were called to go on the journey. I don't know that. But they were on a journey, And they were coming to the end of the journey. And it says in the text that they were overjoyed. They saw the star. The star led them. The star led them to the place. They kept following the star. They get to the house and they were overjoyed. They've done it. They found found the place. They found the king. They found the baby. They found the mother. What we're seeing here is sincere, real, 
adoration and worship. The Magi's journey to find and worship the Christ child in Matthew 2, 9 to 11, reflects this deep sincerity and reverence in their hearts. We are on a mission and we're not gonna stop until we find this king. Based on the word of God, we're willing to move, we're willing to seek, and we're not gonna stop until we find this king so that we can worship. What a lesson for us. We have studied the word of God, we're seeking the word of God, and we're not gonna stop worshiping the, 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 our God until he comes back and takes us. Whether we die and get to be with him or he renders the heavens and he comes back and he takes us to be, we do not stop studying the word, seeking God, worshiping God. We get a great, a great opportunity to do that every single day, not just Sunday. As you're putting on your pants and you're tucking in your socks and you're getting ready for another day uh, to go out there, you have a, an opportunity to worship God. I even want to challenge this. We're at Christmas. And if you know King Jesus, I want you to bring him to your table. Bring him to your home. There could be people around your table this year that don't know Jesus and you're a little apprehensive to share. But our, our call is to, to, see, is to listen to the word of God, to seek God and to worship God. Worship King Jesus in your home. Men, love your wives. Don't be afraid to pour the scriptures over your babies. Doesn't matter their age. If you love the Lord Jesus, do this. If, you, if, you're, if you're been called out of darkness and you know God and the Spirit has been put in your life, do this in your home. Set that example. Be a one that follows God, seeks God, and worships God. This is what the Magi are teaching. They were compelled to seek and honor this newborn king. These are foreign people. They didn't know the history but they were compelled to go and to figure it out. This underscores the universal call to worship Jesus, emphasizing that sincere worship is not limited by culture or social boundaries. All can worship King Jesus. Actually, Revelation, the book of Revelation talks about there will be one time before the throne that every nation, every tongue, every people will gather and we will worship King Jesus together. Not only that, did they show up and they were overjoyed and they worshiped, but they presented gifts? Sincere adoration and worship to King Jesus today needs to happen. But why? Why should it happen? Why should we worship King Jesus? What has he done for us? Well, King Jesus offers hope to the hopeless. He extends grace to the guilty. His mercy reaches even the accursed. Some of us can be sitting here and think, hey, God can't fix me. God can't help me. His mercy is stronger than what you think and feel. He took his sins upon himself and he brings forgiveness to his church. He chooses to forgive our trespasses. He offers us a clean slate. He'll offer that to you here today. Praise for King Jesus is essential. It's one of our core values here at Calvary. Because he is the true ruler of our lives and he is the only sole hope for our, our world. There's no one like him. No one will ever be like him. Our hearts should overflow with, overflow with joy and delight and jubilation because we have experienced the power and holiness of our great king. This comes through salvation, empowered by the Holy Spirit and the incredible blessing of studying and living out the mission of Christ through his holy and righteous word. These wise men, they come to the house and they're seeking, they seek joyful worship. What an opportunity that we get each and every week. Just as the Magi experienced great joy upon, upon finding and worshiping the newborn king, we can actively seek moments of worship in connection to our Savior. This involves church attendance, participation in worship services, and personal moments of prayer and reflection doing your devotions and reading God's word and just asking, wow, God, will you, will you make this real to me? God, will you meet me in this moment? God, I want to sing to you. I want to ascribe a, a joyful noise onto you. I'm not a good singer. I make a, I make a lot of noise. But not only do we get to joyfully worship our God, we get to offer adoration. This comes through our generosity. The Magi express their adoration through giving of precious gifts 
In our lives, we get to demonstrate our adoration for King Jesus through acts of generosity and kindness, whether that's through financial contributions, volunteering, or simply being generous with our time and resources. These become actions or expressions of our adoration for Christ. We don't do these things for our own self. We do these things because of what Christ has done for us. And most of all, church, hear me in this. We get to share in the joy of salvation. Can you remember for a moment? Let's, let me take you back. And that'd be, that might be a long time for some of you. It might be a short time for others. Go back to the moment when God saved you. When you understood his mercy and grace for the first time and the joy that accompanied that. That was a beautiful moment. The joy of our salvation. You see, the Magi's joy was rooted in revelation of the Savior. We too can share the joy of salvation with others. Not only get, do we get the great opportunity of remembering how God saved us, that's a part of our testimony, but we get to take the message out and we get to experience the joy of salvation in other people's lives. One of the greatest opportunities that I love as a benefit of being a pastor is seeing the hand of God work. I get to go into the church every day, into the brokenness of people's lives, into the hardest moments and the greatest moments, and I get to see the hand of God firsthand every single day. There is no better job in the whole world than being a pastor. It's also one of the most hardest jobs ever. There's actually this thing called Bread Truck Monday. Did you know that most pastors quit on Monday because they have to deal with their congregations on Sunday? Pastor Calvin, we don't have to deal with that. We look forward to Monday. We look forward to coming in because you guys are, are, are loving on God. You're doing the things that God has called you to do. Bread Truck Monday doesn't exist at Calvary, but a lot of pastors, if you study their dates when they leave and they resign from ministry, it's on a Monday because they've had enough. And sometimes those pastors, they move their eyes from the joy of salvation and they put it on the, hard, the hardness of sin. That's why we need to remind each other and encourage each other as we come in here to fix our eyes on Jesus, the offer and perfecter of our faith, remembering our own salvation and looking for the opportunity to share salvation with others. That will keep us in Christ. Well, nothing actually can take us out of Christ, but that will keep us focused on Christ and his mission. The joy of our salvation. As we continue in the text, we see that the Magi show up at the house it says in verse 11, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and worshiped him. After bowing down and worshiped him, they opened their treasures and presented, with him, presented him with gifts of gold and incense and of myrrh, presenting our best. The Magi presented valuable gifts to Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And these had symbols. They actually meant something. Gold was a symbol of king, kingship. The gift of gold presented by the Magi to, to Jesus symbolizes his kingship, his authority. Gold had been historically associated with royalty and wealth. We went to this Jewish or uh, this Egyptian museum when we were in Egypt, and the whole place was decked out in gold, gold everywhere. There was so much gold because they were all about royalty and kingship. And these wise men show up at the, that day and they show, they give gold to King Jesus as a symbol of his kingship. They were acknowledging his authority and sovereign rule by presenting this gift. Not only that, but frankincense, which is a symbol of divinity. Frankincense, one of the gifts, is an aromic resin often used in religious rituals. It symbolizes the divinity of Jesus, fully God. By offering, offering this, making this, presenting uh, frankincense, acknowledged, they were acknowledging and worshiped Jesus as the Son of God, the divinity of God, emphasizing his sacred and div divine nature. And not only frankincense, myrrh, which was a symbol of sacrifice. Myrrh, a fragrant resin used in embalming, serves as a symbol of sacrifice. The magic gift of myrrh may, for may be foreshadowing Jesus' sacrificial role and his eventual death on the behalf of the sins of his people. The gift points to the profound truth that Jesus came not only as king and divine being, but also as the only sacrificial lamb for the salvation of humanity. There's so much we can learn from the Magi in this little text. And if you put all those gifts together, there is a combined symbolism 
of comprehensive worship. Together, these gifts, these gifts offer us a com- comprehensive symbolism of how we should be worshiping. Because the Magi, representing different aspects of Jesus' identity and mission through their gifts, demonstrated that true worship involves recognizing and honoring the multifaceted nature of Christ, his kingship, his divinity, and his sacrificial purpose. When we come in here and we sing songs of worship to King Jesus, we do that. I have a boasting in our worship department here. I will boast in them because they hold what we sing very close to the scriptures. They have rejected songs that I have brought. Sometimes we get to pick a song when we're, when we're preaching. I've gone in and I've asked Pastor Jordan, hey, can I preach this through the scriptures? And he'll come back to me and say, no, you're not, we're not singing that. Because this one, I said, it's two words. No, out. And he sends me back to my office like this. Because Jordan wants to take a good job at making sure that we are, are reflecting and truly honoring King Jesus and ascribing the proper worship to him. That's exactly what we're seeing, this combined comprehensive worship. As we understand the passage of Scripture, it should lead us to fully understand the lessons that we are finding from lesson two is that we are called to worship King Jesus. Christians are called to worship the King every day. So when we gather and we lift up our voices, there's nothing better than singing to King Jesus. And one day the church will gather and we will stand in the presence of the King. Can you imagine this? How intense this is going to be. And we're going to open our mouth and ascribe worship to King Jesus. I say this to the young adults all the time. There's going to come a day, and I've probably said it to you, but there's, and I always get down like this because it's, it's kind of like eye level thing. There's going to come a day when King Jesus is going to step down and there's this revelation passage where it says that we're sitting at a table and King Jesus is going to come at the table and we're going to be sitting at this table and we're going to be remembering our life here, remembering worshiping Jesus, studying the struggles, relying on his strength, listening to the Holy Spirit as he knocks us up to the side of the head 14, 15 times as we get over things. But there's going to be this moment where we're going to look across the table And we're going to be together in eternity at this table, worshiping, waiting for King Jesus to come take his rightful place. And there will be a moment where we will look at each other and we will remember these moments of being here and how we had to struggle and how we had to worship together and how we had to come together as the church because this is what Christ called us to do and it will all be worth it. And I will look at you and you will look at me and we will smile and together we will look at King Jesus and we will recognize together. Following Christ may be hard, but it is worth it, church. Amen? Let us not forget to worship our King because we are gonna spend eternity doing that very thing. Lesson number three. We'll wrap this up. One verse, verse 12. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they return to their country by another route. Lesson number, th- number three that we learn from the Magi is responding to the king. And the thing that I see here is obedience to divine guidance. And I wrote divine guidance because these were foreigners, but to us as Christians, obedience to the Holy Spirit. See, the Magi heeded the divine warning in a dream, guiding them to return home by a different route. Christians are called to be obedient to God's guidance in their life, following his leading, even when it diverges from our plans. Which makes me ask a question, how does God guide believers today? Let me take you to the Old Testament for one second. I'm gonna wrap this up very soon. Go to Deuteronomy 29 with me. Deuteronomy 29. This is a cool verse. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. So secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all of his words of the law. So two categories here. There's the secret and the revealed. The secret things belong to the Lord, and the revealed things are given to us. In today's day and age, we spend so much time looking at the secret things. I got a word of God, a knowledge, a new revelation from God. We hear Christians talking about this, and it's a new revelation to something. We don't need new revelation. We got 
33,000 verses, 66 books, revealed God, revealed divine scripture given to us. So we don't have to worry about the secret things. We have to worry about the revealed things, which is the world of God, word of God. God's revealed himself through his word. That needs to be our focus. Look at Hebrews. Let's go to the New Testament. I'll give you old passage, give you a new passage. Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 says, In the past God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he has made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And here it is. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. Less focus on the secret things, more focus on revealed things. What we see is that we need to rely on the sufficiency of Scripture because God is sustaining all things by his power, powerful word. Relying on the su- sufficiency of Scripture means that we acknowledge and trust in the sufficiency that this has everything we need in life to navigate, to honor God, and to overcome. Not only has God given us his word, but at salvation, he has regenerated us. What that means is he takes out our old heart of stone and gives us a heart of flesh, and he renews our mind, gives us the spirit, and we're able to trust in the spirit. We're able to obey the Holy Spirit. Just as God spoke to the Magi through a dream, we are called to be attentive to how God communicates with believers today through his word which means we need to cultivate a spirit of obedience and responsiveness to divine guidance. So when the Holy Spirit prompts us, teaches us, calls us out on something, we have to develop a practice of responding, yes, yes, Lord, yes, God. We, we use the word of God as the compass. We use the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we need to develop a, a, a comprehensive understanding that this is how God guides Christians, through the Spirit and through the Word. That's it. We don't need anything else. We have everything we need right here. You're walking out the door today with everything you need to get it done. Isn't that exciting? Like, is this exciting? You guys are looking at me like, maybe. Maybe it's exciting. No, this is exciting. Not only that, but we get to apply biblical principles every day, which means we come in here and we learn and we take the teachings of the Bible and actively apply it in our lives. Every day. Trusting in the sufficiency of Scripture means not just acknowledging its power, but also living according to its principles. And this is the thing that Pastor Calvin brought to us this year. As he began his brand new sermon series as the lead pastor, you killed it, Calvin. You did a great job. Calvin was teaching us to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is kind of really, this sermon series really flipped up, flipped everything on its, on its head for me. When he's been teaching me and, and showing me when we're, we're going back and forth with the scriptures, that every day is a great adventure. Amen? You never know what's coming. Some of us get up fearful. Other of us get up like, oh, we're going to put my pants on today. We're going on an adventure with Jesus. Let's get her done. Let's go. Like, some days are like that for me. I'm just like, okay, I can't wait to get to church today. It's going to be crazy. Other days, I'm just like, oh, God, I need you. I need you to help me. I need to tap into that power that the Holy Spirit is providing in my life. Fix my eyes off, get my eyes off situations, put my eyes on you, and let's get going here. Let's go. But this is the opportunity for us as Christians to rely on the scriptures, to rely on the Holy Spirit, and to practice daily. And what will that result? Transform lives. The church will encounter the king and be transformed, just like the magi. The Magi diligently explored the scriptures, searched for signs that would lead them to the promised king. They ventured far from home, investing significant time and talent and treasures in their quest for truth. Their journey covered hundreds of miles, culminating in a transformative encounter with the king. Upon meeting him, they offered meaningful gifts and their lives were forever altered. Likewise, we are called to actively seek Jesus in the same manner. And as we engage with Jesus in our daily life, we embark on transformative journeys. Recognizing the significance of daily seeking Jesus, we discover the immersed value and joy in getting to honor the King 
with authentic worship in spirit and in truth. And additionally, we experience the privilege of living a life in response to the profound work Christ has accomplished for each of us. And for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, which means we get to share the good news with others. The king not only enters our world, but also desires to establish his rule and reign in our hearts, initiating a deep and enduring transformation. So what do we learn? The story of the Magi teaches us that the king has come. Let us, like the Magi, seek him with awareness, worship him with joy and our best, and respond to his guidance with obedience. And may our lives be continually transformed by the presence of the king. Amen? Let's pray. God, you're so good. We love you, and we just thank you for your grace and your mercy and your word here today. And we thank you for the lessons that we have learned from the Magi. And I pray that your word, knowing that it never returns to you void, will do its work in our hearts today. So for some, God, I pray that you would call them to salvation, which means that they would let go of their life, that they would trust in you, that you would forgive their sins. You would give them your Holy Spirit and help them to learn your word, and they would begin to get on mission with you. And for others, I pray that this was a, with, was a wake-up call for us to make sure that we are seeking and studying and going after you, O oh Lord. We just thank you for the lessons that we have learned from the Magi. And we pray right now, God, that you would bend your ear down because we want to worship you, King Jesus. We pray these things in the mighty name of, of your son, of, of, of King Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, I thought today as we end our service together, we would reflect on God's word and what it has taught us today. So I thought it would be appropriate for us to end the service today with a congregational prayer. The, verse is gonna, uh, the prayer is gonna come up on the screen and we'll read it together. Let's do that together. Heavenly Father, as we conclude our time together, we reflect on the story of the Magi who sought and worshiped the newborn king. Just as they journeyed to find and honor Jesus, we too have encountered your presence in our midst. We thank you for the revelation of your son who brings light and salvation to the world. May our hearts be stirred with a sense of awe and worship, recognizing the significance of Christ's birth. Like the Magi, help us to offer our gifts, our talents, time, and resources in adoration and service to the King. Lord, as we go from this gathering, may the light of Christ guide our paths. May we carry the message of hope and salvation to those around us, just as the Magi shared the good news. Grant us the wisdom to seek you continually, the courage to follow your leading, and the humility to worship with sincerity. May your grace accompany us in every step. In the name of King Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Have a blessed day. Your pastors will be down front in the Connections Room. And don't forget about the family service tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.